I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Well, the Tampa Bay Lightning had an historic season, historically great with an NHL record tying 62 wins in the regular season, historically tragic in the postseason after being swept by the eighth-seeded Columbus Blue Jackets a franchise that had never won a playoff series. The Bolts fell 7-3 Tuesday night. Who would have thought a team that fell one win shy of the most wins in NHL history would not win again? Was it just will-beating skill? How will you look back on this season, and who's to blame for it? And speaking of embarrassing, not a big crowd at the Trop for a baseball team that returned with the best record in major leagues. Fresh off a 7-2 road trip, uh, the Tampa Bay Rays played the Orioles. They won 4-2 to two to improve their record to 13-4. Only 9,842 showed up. But the bad news is that they will face some adversity in the regular season as Blake Snell goes on the injury list after dropping something on the fourth toe of his right foot and breaking it while coming out of the shower. We've got all that and Jason Light still playing coy about Gerald McCoy's future on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, are you ready for a magical day on the river with the manatees? If so, seven days a week you can experience the wonder and magical charm with Captain Mike's Swimming with the Manatees in Crystal River. It's the ultimate family bonding experience. Now, I've done this. It should be on your bucket list. The weather is perfect. Now is when you want to go. Go ask about their $30 manatee bronze tour and be sure to ask about their free offer for active law enforcement officers and U.S. military. Requires a purchase of two silver tickets at a regular price. After that, you're eligible for the free tour. Now, Captain Mike's is the number one customized manatee tour company at Kings Bay in Crystal River. It's absolutely pure paradise up there. Ask about their pontoon boat rentals, their kayak rentals, bicycle rentals, and more. Book now online at swimmingwiththemanatees.com or call 352-777-1796. Okay, Steve, so what a difference a week makes. I mean, uh, I think... After the game, John Cooper mentioned it was uh, six days in April, not to be confused with the book Seven Days in May. But, I mean, this is an unbelievable collapse, if you will, maybe. And we can discuss this, the the worst in modern sports history for the expectations of a team that set an NHL record with 62, tying a record with 62 wins in the regular season, and then to lose and be swept in four straight games to the Columbus Blue Jackets I don't have really enough words to describe what an an epic fail and disappointment this must be for the entire entire organization, to be honest with you. Well, and and it's absolutely crazy. I mean, it's it's funny how in all the sports, whether it's baseball, whether it's basketball or hockey, that the teams that own the records of the best wins, the most wins, Mm -hmm. don't win. They don't win the title. But to go out in four straight, to open the playoffs, that's, like, unfathomable. I mean, no one – I mean, we were talking about it tonight. I mean, how many brackets, you know, in the NHL does their bracket challenge? How many had the Lightning winning it? Would have probably been 
more than any other team, I'm sure. How many had Columbus winning the first round? Not many, let alone how many had it in a sweep? Mm. I mean, this is this is hard to believe, although, and we'll talk about it too, and, and we've talked some, that you know Columbus isn't your typical eight-seed team either. Uh, you know, they struggled a little bit early in the season. They went for it at the trade. One of the only teams in the Eastern Conference to go for it at the trade deadline. Yeah. I mean, when we talked at the trade deadline, it kind of looked like the East kind of said the Lightning have this. We're not, we're not making big moves, except for Columbus. They doubled down. They had Sergei Bobrovsky and Artemi Panarin that are going to be un- unrestricted free agents. And instead of trading them, they went and got more guys like Dezingle and Matt Duchesne. And they went for it. And they finally started gelling the last few weeks. But what's hard to, to imagine is that two weeks ago, we weren't sure Columbus was going to be in the playoffs. Right. I mean, it was coming down to two spots between Carolina, Columbus, and Montreal. That's how crazy this is. And the Lightning, you know, I mean, you could, uh, you could sit there and say there was a chance they would lose that first-round series, and there absolutely was. I mean, you know, we talked on the podcast. I thought they might lose game one, but then win the series in five. But to lose four straight, I mean, it'd been one thing if they lost in six or seven games. But to lose four in the way they did too. I mean, everything they did was centered on last season. We didn't score for almost eight straight periods to end the the season. You know, it was early in the second period of Game Five was the last time they had scored. That was they're mm-hmm. going to do things differently in the playoffs, and and the whole regular season and the March and the wins. It was all about we're doing things differently to prepare for the playoffs. And they came in the playoffs, and they had a great first period. They scored three goals. And then after that, you know, maybe by period three of game three, they started showing up and playing that game. But it was too late. I don't buy John Cooper's explanation that this is a team that did not face adversity throughout the regular season. And for a very long time, they didn't play a game that was that meaningful in that they knew they had – the playoffs, and then ultimately the top seed wrapped up. Let's go back to where this whole season began. It began with the ending of last year and the fact that they needed to win one game in Game 6 or Game 7 against the Capitals in the Eastern Conference Finals, and they got shut out in both games. And so what became the singular focus was getting back to that point and then taking one more step. And I think it was that focus that drove them to such a you know unbelievable record regular season anyway, but you know they did face some adversity with Andre Vasilevsky getting hurt and some other things that that occurred. It's true they didn't play the competitive games, elimination games, if you will, just to make the playoffs the way that Columbus did. Columbus won seven out of their last eight regular season games, had to win them all, all those games to make the playoffs. And now they've won four straight, so they're at like 11 out of 12. So they have been playing very, very well. And it's true that it didn't seem as if the Lightning were able to match the intensity that Columbus played with after that first period in game one. But to get swept and to do it in a thorough beatdown, this was not a fluke. I think the most surprising Mm -hmm. thing about this, Steve, is that except for that first period of game one, which the Lightning absolutely should have won that game, up 3-1 with 15 minutes to play in the third period. But with the exception of that, Columbus outplayed the Lightning in every single game and damn near every single period. Columbus won I mean, the series. Yes, absolutely they did. 
and handily. Mm-hmm. 4-0 is not a fluke when you look back at, at just how they played those games. No, I mean, Columbus completely took away every strength of the Lightning head. They did a tr- – you talk about a coaching job. Oh. Tortorella and his staff, you know, John Cooper may win coach of the year, but Tortorella completely outcoached him in this series. Mm-hmm. Their adjustments, the way they changed play, the way they took the game, the Lightning, the way they took away space, the way they took away Kucherov, the way they were up on the, the D and, and, and forcing turnovers, and the way they were keeping the puck in the Lightning zone. instead. Normally the Lightning plays in the other team's zone. Right. They, uh, they, uh, not only the Lightning get outplayed, they got outcoached. Right, and I don't know which is worse, to be honest with you, but I think it starts with coaching and the fact that after the game, I believe it was Steven Stamkos that said, you know, they executed a pretty detailed game plan to slow us down, you know, and everyone's going to talk about us losing the series, but that's a really good team over there. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, Cooper talked about it, but then, you know, you heard guys like Ryan Callahan saying that it's extremely disappointing. At the end of the day, we weren't good enough top to bottom. Very structured team, and they didn't waver. Now, the structure is the game plan, the way to slow the lightning down, to not allow them to skate, you know, through the neutral zone in the middle of the ice for one. And at some point, the Lightning decided early in the series to start chipping it, you know, deep and and trying to dig it out, and that didn't work. They got back to being themselves a little bit in game, you know, game uh, three in the third period, but they never really figured out what Columbus was doing. And Columbus was so structured and so devoted to it, and it was it was their defense. They 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 scored. You know, on the power play, they were very, very good on special teams, obviously, and that was the lightning strength during the regular season. It was an absolute total failure, both penalty kill and in the few power plays that the lightning did have. But it became a strength for Columbus, which was like something like five out of eight or six out of nine, something like that. And they absolutely just had no answers and could not get into their game whatsoever. And Columbus was so confident in that structure that even in game four, with a one-goal lead, they essentially sat back in the third period and played that structure to perfection until finally they had to empty the net and they you know, they got three empty net goals. I was just dumbfounded by sort of the lack of adjustments that John Cooper was able to make. He didn't make any. We talked about last year how Washington out-executed the Lightning throughout mm-hmm. that series, even though the Lightning won three games. That's right. And most people would agree that the Capitals probably out-executed and outplayed the Lightning in five or maybe six of the games. Lightning did win three. Columbus took what Washington did last year and took it to a whole other level. They did. They really did. And, and it wasn't always about the hitting and the physicalness either. That No. Nope. You know that that wasn't what this series. They they out they gave the Lightning zero space. Mm-hmm. The Lightning is a team that, that, because of their speed and their skill, they execute in space. And Columbus figured out how to take it completely away from them. Right. You know the Lightning has a a long summer ahead and, and a lot longer than they were expecting. But they've got to figure. I mean, you know, this is the blueprint to beat the Lightning now. Oh sure. Every team's got it. Oh sure. Because they, uh, they completely took the Lightning out of their game. 
Right. They had the same group to be able to do it night after night. It's not like you play one game and then you don't see them again for two or three weeks. I mean, this was, mm-hmm. you know, they had the ability to feel them on the ice, feel them two days later, feel them two days after that. But you're exactly right. And for a team that had three 40-goal scores, which is not a very common thing in the NHL. It's been 20-some years since that happened? Right. That, that is built almost entirely on offensive firepower. firepower. Sure, without Victor Hedman, that's a that's a significant loss. Mm-hmm. Anton Strawman, significant loss on defense. You can't begin to measure that, although I think we can we can now after losing four zero. However, as good as Andre Vasilevsky was, in my opinion, there is something structurally def- about their defense that is lacking for playoff hockey. They simply they simply play one way that works in the regular season, which is up and down the ice and outscore people, which is fun and okay on a Wednesday night, you know, in Florida, but isn't going to play in a, in a playoff series where teams can really scout you and come up with game plans and then be committed to them and take you out of everything that you've been doing for 62 wins. And that's exactly what I think happened in this series. I think that the Lightning aren't good enough defensively. Mm-hmm. And much like any other sport, Steve, it, it just it just kind of goes this way. You can have a great hitting ball club, but you know what? If that team across the diamond can pitch, they're probably going to win the World Series. There's... And in football, we saw – and just I don't know if this is a great analogy. But the Oakland Raiders one year in 2002 lit up the NFL in offense. Then they ran into the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the, in the Super Bowl. And I know John Gruden had the advantage of knowing that team and those sort of things, and it was a historic defense. But the defense won. It's just very hard when they're going to swallow whistles and you're not going to get the mm-hmm. power plays, you're not going to get the extra man advantage, and all of a sudden your best scores are shut down and you don't know, you don't know what to do. And, oh, by the way, you don't play good enough defense and you're hanging your goaltender out to dry, only now – they're not going to let you score to get back in the game. You're not going to win 6-4 mm-hmm. when you give up four goals in the first two periods. The Lightning's defense has been – it's not as good as people think it is. And if you looked all year, they, they were one of the lowest in goals allowed. And a lot of that was Andre Vasilevsky. Sure. You know, also, you know, they rely a lot on him. They, that plays into this. Yeah, and I he think. did not have a very good series. No. He let in some soft goals. If you look at the advanced metrics, and I'm not an expert in this at all in hockey, so, but I've talked to some people that know it better than I. If you look at the advanced defensive metrics, the Lightning are somewhere around 20th in the league. They're not as mm. good as they think. Now, their goalie bails them out a lot and makes the saves when they need it. Mm-hmm. And their flat-out offensive skill during the regular season and getting power plays in that allow them to – to, to play a certain style in the regular season so they can keep their goals pretty low because they're keeping the puck in the offensive zone most of the time. That's their best defense. It's not, it's not back in their own zone. It's when they keep the puck in the offensive zone, which in the regular season they were very effective at. But the advanced defensive metrics, as far as the way they play defense, they're not as good as everyone thinks they are based on goals against average. And that's what I'm told by people who know that stuff better than me. That – and. There's going to be a lot of looking at this defense, and granted, Strawman, Girardi, and Coburn are all unrestricted free agents. So you're going to have a lot of change on that blue line next year. 
how they do it, if they resign anybody or what they bring in or, or call up from Syracuse, we'll see. But there definitely needs to be more, to use Stamkos' word of Columbus, structure on that defensive end instead right. of just relying on Vasilevsky behind you. That's right. Because in the regular season, you get away with that. In the playoffs, it's a lot harder because you're playing a much more skilled team night in and night out. And the the energy level and, and, and everything's amped up, and you're not going to get penalties. Right. That's the key. You're not going to get those extra chances with a man advantage that you got during the regular season. I mean, look, there were penalties that were missed again, you know, in game four. Mm-hmm. No question. There was a slash that that wasn't called. There was, you know, some other things that, that they let go. But that was pretty much the whole series. When they finally got a power play, it was the first power play since, like, the third period of game two. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this series, this was the fewest power plays called of any any series so that's by ongoing far, right now. By far. It wasn't close. It was almost almost double everywhere else. So there, there obviously was something to that if you're an offensive team – who had the best power play, you know, in the NHL, and then you don't get those chances. So five-on-five five hockey is different. But they Playoff had the best penalty kill, too, and they, that failed them. And that failed them, yes. So defensively, again, I think you start there. If you're going to look at, you know, when they go back and do the autopsy on this thing, and let's face it, they're going to they're gonna pick this frog clean. I just think that they're going to find that their defense pretty much most of the season – was Andre Vasilevsky and not enough structure to to really stop anybody in the postseason. I mean, it was it was lacking and it was sorely lacking. Chief Chief talked about it after the game. I, I just think that that was part of the b- big problem. Mm-hmm. This was also I just wanted before we uh, get deeper in the analysis here, the Tampa Bay Lightning on social media kind of captured I think. How they and, and their fans feel and how they feel about this whole situation. Now, this is after this is stunning to me. This is after a sixty-two win season. Nonetheless, they said we don't have any words, and we know you don't want to hear them. We understand your anger, your frustration, your sadness, everything you're feeling. We get it. This isn't the ending we imagined, and certainly not the one we wanted. Thank you for being there the entire way. Wow. Honest. How about that for, how about yeah, but how about that for the instant social media reaction? I don't know who's in charge of their social media or who's sending that message, but we assume it came from ownership or at least reflects the feelings of ownership. That's a sober sort of mea culpa if I ever heard one. Yeah, no, I mean, the Lightning social media team is fantastic. And, you know, I assume that message probably got approved higher up mm-hmm. just to be sure, but, you know. It's a, it's a sober, honest assessment of the disappointment that they're feeling and their fans. I mean, right? It, it's I, you want to say shocking? Oh, it's shocking. But, but, but I think it's I think it's I think it's even bigger than that. I mean, like I said, not that they lost; it's the way they lost and not winning a game and. And, and being dominated, being dominated and, and just, yeah, it wasn't, it's not just, I mean, look, we all know. And, and, you know, one of the things we love about sports is anything can happen. And, and while the lightning were favorites and I thought they were going to advance and many others did too, that, but you know, there was always a chance they were going to lose the series, but you never would have foreseen that that way. Never would have seen a sweep 
and being dominated in a sweep. Just, it's staggering. You know, John Cooper, after the game, said some things, and there's probably not great words that you can say after a collapse like that. They asked him if he was shocked, that sort of thing, embarrassed, what have you. He says, probably more disappointed and and more than anything. Um, You know, when you get to the playoffs, you got to remember half the teams in the league are out, so everybody in the playoffs is good. Uh, They've earned their way here, so um, it's it's not in today's game with the parity. Like it's it's not unusual that a eight beats one anymore. Everybody's that close, and um, it was you know in the end it's just we couldn't just couldn't find our game. That was it. You know, it had it, been with us all year, and for six days in April, we couldn't find it. And uh, it's unfortunate because, you know, it puts a blemish on what was uh, one hell of a regular season. I'll tell you what's unusual is to get swept by an eight seed when you have 62 wins in tie for the most in, in mm-hmm. NHL history. This, as we've said before, um, and I will maintain, might be the biggest modern-day collapse in sports. Let's just say this. The Lightning joined these teams for the best record with no title. Now, I'm not talking about lack of playoff success or going out in the playoffs 4-0. The 2001 Mariners were 116-46, and did not win the title. The 1906 Cubs were 116-36, and didn't win a title. The 2016 Warriors went 73-9, and they didn't win a title. And, of course, we have uh, the Red Wings in 96, went 62-13-6. and 13 and six. They did make it at least to the, to the conference final, did not win a title. And then, of course, we know about the Patriots were 16-0 during the regular season. They lost in the Super Bowl with about a minute or so to go to the, to the Giants. A lot of those teams made it well beyond the first round, some to championship rounds, some to the, to the World Series or – you know, or finals. So, I mean, I think if if put in its proper perspective, you'll be hard pressed to find something like this. This is these are the things as John Romano wrote that parents will tell their wide-eyed children about. You know, and this is the tragedy of 2019, 2018, 2019 season for the Lightning. Their greatest potentially season again, in history, will only be remembered, Steve, for how it ended. That's the only it, – it will never be looked upon the way it should have been, fondly. And and maybe if they had won a series or two and then lost in the playoffs, people would still say, man, did they ever accomplish a lot? Yeah, they didn't make it to the Stanley Cup, but, boy, they had one heck of a year. You can't say that. You will never be able to think about this season if you're a Lightning fan without going, ugh, they got my heart ripped out, right? I mean, that's what it will be known for. Not for what they did, you know, in, in winning 62 games. This particular team, yes, I agree. But, uh, I, and, and I'll paraphrase John Cooper at the end, too, is, is they asked about this season and how he'll be able to reconcile that mm-hmm. moving forward. I don't know. I think uh, if we down the road win a Stanley Cup, I'll have no, no problem reconciling that. But right now it's tough. 
that Detroit team that won 62 games didn't win that season. They won the next year. They won the next year. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the Patriots have won more since. Uh, the Warriors have won the next year after that. You know, and maybe it didn't happen that year. You know, the, the, the Washington, you know, Cooper talked about the Washington Capitals, who several years in a row won the President's Trophy and lost in the second round, as usual, to Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. And the year they, they weren't expected to win it all, they did last year. Now, it's not to say that's what will happen with the Lightning. Who knows? The good thing for the Lightning is this core is going to be mostly back next year. There's probably going to well, be a player or two traded uh, to make room for Braden Point and other contracts coming up. But for the most part, your core is going to be together, just like it has been the last few years. So you assume that, you know, you should never assume in sports, but there's a good chance they're going to have a pretty good season next year. Well, they've been on a look. They've been on a successful run here. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and Cooper pointed this out too. He said, "Listen, we, you know, we went to a Stanley Cup final and we're leading and and lost to Chicago. We've been to the Eastern Conference Finals, Game Six and Seven, and lost. Been to playoffs. Um, this is, you know, and and we've we've talked about this on this podcast. Who would you rather be? Would you like to be the Tampa Bay Rays, who, you know, won ninety games and missed the postseason and have had some." success but not really sustained success unless you go back to 2008 when they went to the World Series you know and they went on a run of four or six years making the postseason but never really advanced beyond the first round would you want to be the Bucks, who have not been to the postseason in over 11 years now I mean for Lightning fans you know they're a little bit spoiled because this team is a perennial playoff contender more than that, they're in the playoffs every year. They actually well, make two it. years ago. They didn't make it. Don't they didn't make that. it two years. Ago. That's true. That's true. They missed it by a point. But at least they were in the discussion in the conversation. They could have mm-hmm. been had they made the postseason. Who knows? Maybe they would have been the Columbus Blue Jackets that year. But yeah, yeah. Well, the role they were on at the end of the season. I mean, they started the year, dug themselves a huge hole, and almost dug themselves out. But right, and learned a lesson from it, and made the playoffs and that was their focus the next year and then that's how they made it to the eastern conference final but every year you learn something as a group but every year is different in sports i've always said this that you know yes the core of the team is the same but it will never be the same team and cooper made reference to that you know what he feels bad about is how quickly things and how suddenly it is that they end this particular group had a chance to do something special and did until they got to the postseason and now the, the next year's team will be totally different and the circumstances will be different and everybody comes back down to the mountain except the Stanley Cup champion and even they have to start over. So in perspective, we've said this too, that only one team can win a championship and it's not going to be the Lightning this year. But you know what? It's not going to be a lot of teams. It may not. It's not going to be the Penguins either. Well, we do know you it will know. be the Columbus Blue Jackets. <laughs> it could be them. Well, the last three Light, the last three playoffs, the Lightning have lost in the playoffs to the champion. Well, they're very, very good. And what Tortorella has done is nothing shy of amazing. There's a reason why he's still a coach in this league and has his name on a Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. Which brings us to the question, what changes would would or should the Tampa Bay Lightning make and how deep will that go? Will it just be a matter of players and structure and getting the right kind of players we talked about the defense or do they have to at least have a discussion about who leads them 
Well, I, I think, you know, we talked the other day about, I think everything's fair game to evaluate. Yeah. From Julian Brisebois, who at the trade deadline didn't acquire anything. Right. And their depth was challenged, particularly on the blue line. And mm-hmm. did you really want Cameron Gauntz and Ron, Jan Ruda starting playoff games for you? Exactly. Um, John Cooper, too, I believe, was outcoached in the series. Mm-hmm. And, and Tortorella put a clinic on of coaching. He did. You know, are you going to evaluate that? I, I, I think all of it's fair game to evaluate now. What changes Jeff Vinnick, and then if he keeps Julian Brisebois, which I, I assume he will, but what he wants to make, and then if you're gonna if you're gonna make a change at John Cooper, or if he's gonna stay, then it's, then you get down to the players and everything else you're doing. You know, are they going to? They're look. There's going to lose some players from free agency. Everything. They're going to probably have to trade a player or two because Braden Point's going to get a big contract. We've got a few other. You know, Andre Vasilevsky's a year away from getting a big contract. Um, you've got a lot on the blue line you're losing with Strawman, Coburn, Girardi, Jan Ruda, and Cameron Gauntz, all unrestricted free agents. So you only have four blue line members that are on the team this year signed for now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Next year. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're going to have changes. Are you going to change structure? Are you going to change some philosophy and maybe the types of players you're looking for? I think that's all fair game in this, in this situation. Now, whether, think, whether you tra- change it, that's yet to be determined. Mm-hmm. But I, I think if I'm the Lightning, if I'm Jeff Vinnick on down, everything is, is you're, peeling, you're peeling the onion looking at everything. You are, and I know what some fans are saying on Twitter to us and to others about John Cooper, and the comparisons keep coming up. And it's, is he the Tony Dungy of the Tampa Bay Lightning? Is he the guy that can take him to the dance but can't get him can't get him over the top? And like Dungy, he's been very very successful, mm-hmm. gotten his team to the playoffs more times than not, gotten them deep into the playoffs several times, but hasn't gotten the Stanley Cup. Also like Dungy, he's a guy that sits on the end of the bench, is very calm, always in control of his emotions after the game, works on that gum, and really doesn't you know. Isn't that animated? And so when you when you win, that's considered poised and your team reflects the calm and they never panic, and that's a good trait. When you lose, that same trait is viewed as a lack of fire. Don't they need somebody like John Tortorella to light a fire under these guys? That's going to be what people will be talking about. And just like Dungy, I believe that Dungy would have won a Super Bowl, and then he goes to Indianapolis with Peyton Manning in a good offense. Lo and behold, he wins his Super Bowl, and he's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So he wasn't a failure. He just didn't win in Tampa. Had he been given more time? We really don't know. Mm -hmm. But we do know that when John Gruden came in and added some pieces on offense and held them accountable for a change, because Tony was happy to win 6-3 to and thought they should win, 
six to three, all of a sudden some things happen and they drew the right matchups in the postseason and they go and win a Super Bowl the very first year that Gruden is here. And I think John, I've always said this, deserves a lot of credit for what he brought to their team. At that time, they needed his fire, especially on offense and the accountability that he held both the defense and the offense too. Now, Monty Kiffin, nothing changed. He ran the same system. They had the same coaching staff as Tony. Tony hired all those coaches. They were they did everything the same. But Gruden was that little bit of spice that they needed. It's going to be talked about. It's not a bad analogy. It's nothing against Cooper in terms of, you know, how good he he is. And obviously the Lightning think he's very, very good. That's why they signed him recently to an extension. That's going to be the interesting part of the discussion is that, you know, he signed an extension three weeks ago, or that's when they announced it. Yeah. So at that point, they thought he's the right guy to lead this team. Mm-hmm. Does a four-game playoff sweep change their mind about that? Probably not. My guess is probably not, but I'm not so sure. You know, again, I think you have to look at everything. You you would not be doing yourself a, a – you know, a service if if you just said, well, we've already, because we've already signed him to an extension, there's no point in, in looking at the coaching situation because maybe there is something there. You have to at least examine everything and put him, he has to be part of the process. He has to be part of the puzzle mm-hmm. that you're going to put together again. And I don't know how you don't evaluate it. Everybody, every, first of all, everyone's evaluated, even mm-hmm. the head coach. And whatever, I've also always said this, Whatever monies that you owe a coach is a fraction of what you pay your players and the investment you have in your team to win. So, you know, the Buccaneers, God love them, they can't find the right guy, but they have no trouble paying coaches not to coach. You know, at times they've had as many as three coaches, head coaches on the payroll at once. Only two of them were fired. So I think sometimes – you know, you don't you don't want to throw good money after bad, but you also, you know, have to understand that it's a very small fraction of what the overall franchise investment is, both in players and effort and postseason. Look, it's not insignificant the money that the Lightning lost by bowing out in the first round here. You know, this is a business after all. I'm not saying that, you know, they're going to go under or bankrupt or anything because they've had 200-something sellouts. But those postseason games at Emily Arena, they make some money on those. They make tons of money because you're not paying the players. Exactly. That you basically keep everything coming in that building. Playoff games are very lucrative for teams. Absolutely. And there's been years where the Rays made their entire payroll when they made the postseason, especially during the World Series. So I, I think that, you know, this will be viewed as a, as it should be through all kinds of prisms. You know, there's there's the on ice structural. How are we built? What do we lack? How do we fix this prism? And then there's also the business thing of you know, we just we just cost ourselves a lot of money here. I mean, it's one thing again. Had they gone to the Eastern Conference Final and done exactly what they did last year and made it to Game Six and lost Game Six and Seven the feeling wouldn't be much better after you woke up on those days. But the bank account would be. And overall, I think you would have a different feeling of, well, 
you know, they weren't able to get over the hump. And at that point, you may have lost again to the Stanley Cup champions. There's a lot of things that would make you view it differently. There's no other way to view this when you lose in the first round to the Columbus Blue Jackets and you get swept 4-0 after the year they just had. And it's over in seven days. Seven days between celebrating what was a French, the, the, the pinnacle of the franchise with the exception of the Stanley Cup championship in a way. I mean, they made history this year. And then they made it again. And the, the second time is what will be remembered, not the first. That's the shame of it because it was a phenomenal really regular is. season. It really is. So many records set from oh. wins to Nikita Kucherov's point totals to three, three players with 40 goals to Stamkos passing mm-hmm. Vinny LeCavier for the franchise goal mark. Mm-hmm. To yes. uh, I mean, you just look at all the – I mean, you know, Louis Domingue and Vasilevsky both having 10-plus game win streaks. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you start looking at all the records, particularly franchise records, but even recent NHL records. You know, you start going, especially cap era records with the way they did things. And it was, it was a phenomenal regular season. Right. But that's not the way it feels today. No. And it's not the way it will be looked upon no. in history. You can never look at this season and say, yeah, but it's always going to be epic fail. You know, monumental collapse. In fact, not only in Tampa Bay, but any other team in sport now that has a great regular season and starts to flounder in the postseason, the first team on the list for those teams to try to avoid becoming will be the 2018-19 Tampa Bay Lightning. How about that? Where that? That you'll be mentioned first on the list of epic collapse in pro sports history. It's not a good place to live. Well, let's hope you're Virginia, who lost as a one seed to a 16 and then wins the title the next year. It's possible. And that's going to be the only way to erase it. Mm -hmm. What do you do from here on out? But there's no guarantee, you know, as the 2001 Mariners proved, that you're going to get that chance again. There just isn't. No. Like you said, two years ago, the Lightning were a good team and and missed the playoffs. That's right. And it's it's going to be curious who's not on this team next year. I mean, mm-hmm. I got to assume Ryan Callahan will not be. He's in the final right. year of his deal. Right. You know, you've Stamkos, Kucherov, Hedman, McDonough are going to be here. Mm-hmm. But some of those middle guys contract-wise, you know, is is Andre Pallott or J.T. Miller. Alex uh, Alex Kalorn, Tyler Johnson, Yanni Gord. Mm-hmm. Right. Or some of those guys move. Because you got to clear some cap space. And if you want to bring in other players and, and make some changes and, and try to change a little of your style, then you're going to have to. And it's going to be real curious how they evaluate and who, who may stay and who may go. Because every year there's turnover on a team. Right. The, the Lightning has been miraculously had so little turnover for the last few years. They're now getting into a cap problem where they're going to have to have turnover. As Braden Point's getting ready for a contract, uh, next season you've got Sorelli and Andre Vasilevsky getting contracts. And, and Eric Chernak will be after next season as well, and Mikhail Sergachev. So you've got some con- – uh, some of those are restricted free agents, but you've got bigger contracts coming up too that you're going to have to deal with. And here's something else to consider that Steve Eisenman largely built this hockey team. Mm-hmm. He's gone as well. He's not going to be here, and it's Julian Brisebois 
who's responsible for taking it forward. Who knows what whether Julian can fill those shoes or not. It's well, going to be going to be difficult. The, the the good thing is is Jeff Vinnick, Eiserman, and Breezeball has been with Eiserman the whole time. He has, but they've known about the cap issues and that they were going to have some player decisions to make before Breezeball became the GM. Right. So I would assume, as there was transition and all that, that those discussions were already had and not necessarily decisions made, but thoughts and and understanding where the team was and and going forward. So. So far, most of the decisions the Lightning have made have been very good since Jeff Vinnick took over. You know, they always say in Iserman we trust. Mm-hmm. So the question is, is you know, is Julian Breezewell going to continue that? And I'm, I'm very curious to see what decisions they make over the next few months. They've got some extra time to, to make those decisions. Because a lot of that stuff will come in June around the NHL draft, which happens, I think it's June 22nd to 23rd in Vancouver. And then free agency begins July 1st. Well, we'll have lots of time to do the autopsy on this as the Lightning try to pick up the pieces from here. And it is going to be a void watching the NHL playoffs if you're a hockey fan, a Lightning fan in particular, and knowing that your team is no longer in it. So it's going to be strange that way since they went so deep in the playoffs a year ago. But we'll be breaking this down all through the week be talking about what the Lightning decide to do, what changes they may or may not make, and hopefully we'll have a chance to talk to Diana Neros as well and sort of give the autopsy on this season. But very disappointing for Lightning fans, and this 2018-2019 season ends historically, but not the history that they had counted on. Okay, Steve, turning to the Tampa Bay Rays, the reigning Cy Young Award winner Blake Snell is going to be on the injured list for a little while, I guess or at least missed a, miss a start, with what is a bizarre accident that he had while trying to rearrange some furniture in his bathroom, and that has landed him on the injured list. Very odd situation, and I'm not really clear how this occurred, um, but it's not funny because I'm sure it hurts in his, I guess, the fourth toe on his landing foot, which would be his right foot, was injured, actually broken. He did this when they returned from his road trip, so he had just gotten back from Toronto, and it turns out that he had been staring down at a decorative stand near his shower for some time, and for whatever reason, he decided to move it. And at this particular time, the granite base fell from that stand and fell on his right foot, and the impact of that uh, came right down on his fourth toe, and then he went and saw that it was broken. So it's unfortunate as he said it was quote pretty dumb i often move furniture right when i'm out of the shower <laughs> that's the thing like the worst thing you want you're wet your hand i assume you're dripping or your hands are wet. i mean you could towel down i guess but like what would give you the you know what i think now's the time that i want to move that granite piece of furniture in my bathroom it just seems bizarre um i suppose that's what happened but that's his story Looks like they're gonna. He's gonna miss at least a start. He says he's never had a broken bone in his life. Not really sure how that's gonna work, but Kevin Cash doesn't want to rush him back out there. And then if there's some pain, at least it's not his arm. But if there's some pain involved, maybe all of a sudden you start changing your your delivery, and that's how you get injured. And you don't want to have that situation. So he will uh, miss his return uh, ro- turn in the rotation on Friday. They could use an opener for that third straight game. Or they could 
you know, try to make some maneuvers with uh, some other starting pitchers, I suppose. Familia Pagan but, was called up. Yeah. Not that he'll start or anything, but. They could hold back Yanni Chirinos. I mean, there's things they can do, but they haven't just decided how they're going to fill his spot. I guess the good news is it could have been worse, but I think these things do happen in baseball. In fact, Steve, you've. We were thinking you, the Rays have had about some, some of the bizarre injuries they've had. Right? The Rays have had some bizarre injuries the last few years, and we were talking about that. That if you remember last year, Matt Duffy had back spasms from turning his steering wheel driving to the park. <laughs> is this this is not power steering? Apparently, uh, apparently not. I mean, maybe you know, maybe you should invest in a better car. I'm not sure. <laughs> remember the old days when you had? Yeah. Would you like power steering? Yeah, that'd be awesome. And then. When you didn't have it, it was like trying to turn to Queen Mary. Yeah. Or remember Joel Peralta tweaked his neck getting out of the car to get sandwiches. That's right. It was in 2013. <laughs> That's right. But my favorite one was 2012 when David Price hurt his neck toweling off too vigorously. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, but that's hilarious. <laughs> I mean, this is some bizarre injuries vigorous. the Rays have had. Vigorous toweling, not allowed. I think they have that posted in the clubhouse now. Is that a 15-yard Dave. penalty? <laughs> Giving them the business. Vigorous toweling. No vigorous toweling allowed, please. Yeah, that's just in the Rays in the last you know six, seven seasons have had those kind of injuries. That's crazy. I'm always a little skeptical of how these things actually occur or if they occur as they're told. But yeah. We've, we've heard no players reason. you know falling down their steps at home or yeah, you know yeah. things like that, but... Yeah, it's uh, moving a, a I think, granite I think, whatever in your bathroom is a new one. I think Brian Greasy tripped over his dog on the stairs. I mean, there's a, you know, there's there's been all kinds of reasons given for very various injuries. But again, I guess the good news is that it's not something that's supposed to keep him out very long. But you don't know. I mean, you don't know how that would impact the guy landing on his. Maybe right maybe foot he dropped his Cy Young toe. Award on the. Uh, <laughs> that's the true. He would have, although I think it's in his dad's yeah, house. So yeah, that I don't think occur. it's there. So, yeah, that would hurt. Look, there's a lot of things. If you drop them exactly on your foot, you in, in your in your bare feet at that, you can definitely hurt yourself. I've done it. You ever drop a can of something on your foot? Oh, I've done it a lot. Just have kids. You know? They step on your foot all the time. That hurts bad they enough. D- oh, they do, and they weigh you know anywhere from forty to yeah. sixty pounds. But I don't know how they could step on your feet as often as they do. They do. They don't. I don't. I don't either. I damage my feet because I can't feel them anymore. I don't know where they are. I have no spatial <laughs> awareness. I literally jam them on everything that's on the floor. So it's very dangerous as you get older. But yeah, so tough, tough way for uh, the ace of the staff to be knocked out, at least for a start. However, it has not slowed the Tampa Bay Rays because they beat the Baltimore Orioles four to two. They're now thirteen and four. And right now, the Yankees and the Red Sox are in a series. The Yankees took game one from the Red Sox. So those two teams got to beat up on each other. And then the Red Sox come to Tampa Bay for the next series. Did you see Chris Sale's comment? Oh, it wasn't good. This is flat-out embarrassing for my family, for our team, for our fans. This is about as bad as it gets after their loss to the Yankees today. Well, he got tagged for yes. about eight runs. And, you know, his velocity is down. There's something wrong. And he's pitched a lot of baseball now. Go back and see how many innings he threw for the White Sox. Mm-hmm. And then coming over for the the Red Sox. 
his velo is starting to fall. It's been down. I, I didn't see tonight see. start, but it's been down four miles an hour from last year. And that's significant. You know, that's not a guy that suddenly forgot how to repeat his his motion and how to throw. So there is something going on there, but he's not effective. In fact, it's just the opposite. He's getting shelled, and that's not what the Red Sox need. I still think the Red Sox are going to be okay. The Yankees have so many injuries. Well, if they can get healthy, they're going to probably be okay too. They're going to be fine because they have the lineup. But the Red Sox have a good bullpen. But they're six they, and twelve. Yeah, their their lineup is unbelievable, but they have not. Yeah, six and twelve, and so now they're six and a half games behind the Tampa Bay Rays. Well, the biggest thing in eighteen games, they've given up one hundred and fourteen runs. That's the most in baseball. Wow, that's not something so you they, think of the Red Sox. They're the anti-Rays, if you will. Yeah, the, the Rays. So the Red Sox have given up 114 runs. The Rays have played one less game. They've given up 42. <laughs> wow. Yeah, their run differential for the Rays is just crazy. Plus 40. Yeah, it's it's nuts. And that's really I look at that number as much as any because yeah, record is nice and that's what ultimately you're judged by. But if you have that sort of a run differential, then you're in you're in that plus ta- category as much as the Rays are. That's that's the most positive sign that they've had. Mm-hmm. A couple things before we get out of here on the Tampa Bay Bucks. First, the NFL schedule, regular season schedule, will be announced tonight at 8 p.m. Set your watches on NFL Network, or you can read about it on TampaBay.com. We should have that at 8, p- 8 p.m. as well. They used to used to be that these schedules would leak out at some point during the day because the teams would get them. Now the NFL doesn't trust any of their own teams, so they don't even give send them to the teams till about 7 or 7.30. You might see some games leaking out. All we know about the Bucks schedule is that they have a game in England at either Tottenham or Wembley against the Carolina Panthers, and we think that's going to be the first or second week of October, and there will not be a bye week after that, so it's going to be kind of a tough turnaround wherever they go, I would assume they would be at home. Beyond that, all we know are the opponents. We don't know the location or which teams they open with or anything like that. So it's always fun to find out what my life is going to be like for the next six months as they start the season in August. And, you know, the preseason schedule has already been out. So we'll get to see exactly where we're going and what home Saturdays I will have. On top of that, we had a chance to talk to Jason Light for the pre-draft meeting that Every GM and or head coach gives. These are the most worthless endeavors, deliberately so, by them. Uh, And we are just pawns in the whole game of disinformation. But, you know, I got to give it to Jason. He didn't even try to to deny that he was trying to say absolutely nothing. He was actually proud of it and obvious about it. But the one thing that came up again and fairly early in the conversation was Gerald McCoy and you know, they're not even trying to really be that coy about it anymore. Basically, Jason didn't want to talk about him. He says, look, I, you know, I answered some questions at the owners meetings. There hasn't been any developments. Let me say this. And I asked Jason like this question. Why did Bruce, you know, Bruce Arians was the one that NFL owners meetings had said that, well, I want to see, I want to evaluate him. I want to be able to see his, if his enthusiasm is there when he's on the field, that sort of thing. He had said that, you know, he hasn't been as effective and disruptive as he was four years ago. He said a lot of things about Gerald McCoy. But McCoy is not in the offseason workout program, so it's fair to ask, how can you evaluate a guy 
who's not there. But even more telling is the fact that my reporting shows that Bruce Arians told Gerald McCoy, hey, look, you you know, don't don't come. You don't have to come. In fact, <laughs> don't come. Not that Gerald was going to show up anyway, given the scenario that they have right now. I mean, that would be a very awkward thing for him to walk into one buck place and, you know, obviously he'd be welcomed by his teammates, but then the questions would start flying like, what's going on with you? And they don't want that scenario because it's pretty clear he's not going to be a buck in 2019. But we know that they're hanging on to him for a reason, and the only reason would be to try to trade him, get some compensation for him, use him to move up in some round if a team will take on his $13 million contract. But until we get deeper into the draft and teams find out that they maybe don't get the defensive line help that they were hoping for, then perhaps there generates a market for him. Right now, though, he's on the roster, but he's really not part of the team, if that makes sense. So we asked Jason about that. And as for the rest of it, look, it comes down to this. They know they're going to get a very good player at number five. They just don't know if that's going to be a defensive lineman and somebody that's exceptional like a, you know, like a Quinnen Williams or Josh Allen or Nick Bosa or somebody like that. And a lot of it will depend on whether Tyler Murray goes first. The latest, if you read Peter King and some of the other guys in the national media, is that it appears that Arizona is wavering at best. I mean, their GM, Steve Kime, has said, we have not made a decision on our number one pick just yet. But what you can read the tea leaves from is the fact that Kyler Murray and his agent have now begun allowing Kyler to visit teams like the Giants, who pick number six, and different teams further down in the draft. So those teams are sort of telling you, hey, we don't know, we no longer think that Kyler Murray is going to be the number one overall pick. There's a possibility he's not. There's a possibility that the Cardinals realize that. You know, in a second year, Josh Rosen could be 25 to 30 percent better. But if we trade our pick, say to Oakland, who has three number ones, if Oakland were interested, then we can build around this young quarterback and make our team better, not just switch quarterbacks. So there's a lot going on right now. I heard uh, Peter King say on Dan Patrick today that this is the least information he's ever gotten from teams about the draft, that he's had people who in the past have helped him, general managers, that said, look, I can't I can't begin to help you because there's no information out there and we don't want to be the ones putting out our stuff and our picks. And so it's it's really become a game of liar's poker. But no one is – everyone's playing it pretty close to the vest. And I'm, I'm going to be interested to see – because it's significant what happens to the Bucks pick if no quarterback goes ahead of them. Then you see a scenario where – Maybe a Quinnen Williams goes first, a Nick Bosa goes second, a Josh Allen goes third, and recently John Gruden, I'll tell you what, man, he decided that he's going to have Devin White visit the Raiders. Uh-oh. So then Devin White's not there for the Bucks. So where do they go next? Ed Oliver? Is he really the guy they want playing the three technique? you got to imagine they'd love to have a guy like Quinnen Williams that can plug in for Gerald McCoy. But what do they do if – Devin White is gone. Is Devin Bush the next guy? Is he in that same sort of category, very very similar to Devin White, uh, the middle linebacker from Michigan in almost every measurement? So, you know, the one thing they know, if they stay at five, they're happy at five, they think they'll get a very good player. Now it depends on how far back they go. 
you know, what is that number? Two, three, four players that could move back if somebody makes an offer to take their spot. Could they still get a really very good player or just a good player? So a lot to discuss with Jason Light. Um, I'm sure we'll play more sound about that as the week goes on, but it was really sort of a disinformation campaign. Some other notes about it is that Kendall Beckwith is still undergoing evaluation. They promised us that we would learn something about his situation. I can just tell you it's not good. Uh, if At this point, he's still being evaluated. That means second and third opinions, usually because the player doesn't like what the team doctors have determined. So I feel for Kendall, but it looks like that he has a career-threatening injury that he got in that automobile accident about a year ago when he damaged his ankle and wasn't able to come back last season. So that may affect also, you know, what they do in the draft and needing to to get some more linebackers because they lost Quan Alexander to San Francisco as a free agent. So lots going on with the Bucks. There'll be a lot of draft coverage. Uh, you can read it on TampaBay.com. You can read my story about Jason Light this morning and what his pre-draft press conference was. There's some you know, some things he said, and then I translated what he really meant. So I had a little fun with that in this morning's Tampa Bay Times. Okay, so the Rays continue with the Baltimore Orioles in their series. They're up 1-0, see if they can win their sixth series of the year. And the NFL schedule is coming out tonight at 8 p.m. You want to be on hand for that, you can check it out on TampaBay.com or the NFL Network. Tomorrow we'll break down all 256 games in the NFL. <laughs> yes, we will, especially the Rays or the Bucks. We'll tell you exactly what their season will be, every game they will win, and every game they may not win and go through it from top to bottom. So you'll have that. The Lightning return home, oh, no. And at some point they'll do the autopsy, and I'm sure we'll hear more from probably not just John Cooper but also some of the players and who knows, maybe even uh, Julian Brisebois. We'll see about that. And hey, folks, remember now, if you're looking for something fun to do with the family, I have to recommend this because I've done it. Go swim with the manatees. That's right. You can do that at Captain Mike's Swimming with the Manatees. They're the number one customized manatee tour company in Kings Bay and Crystal River. This is the time to do it. Please go up there and you can book online at swimmingwiththemanatees.com or just call this number 352-777-1796. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.